Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Just make sure I've got everything working before we start. There we go. Um, Before I do anything, let's pray. And then we're going to take a look at, I think, probably one of the most common passages that people are familiar with in the entire Bible. Uh, The passage is going to be, uh, we've even given it a title, the love chapter. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to take a look at that today. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard this quoted or read at a wedding. Anybody ever heard 1 Corinthians 13 read at a wedding? Anybody had it read at their wedding? (laughs) Probably. Um, It's a very, very common passage. Uh, But I want to take a look at the context of where it lands in 1 Corinthians, because that's important. Okay? Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day, and I just thank you for this amazing, poetic piece of literature that we're going to look at today. God, that by your inspiration, and Lord, I think also by you using Paul's talents and abilities and gifts, Lord, have given us this chapter that describes this most important of things, love. God, I pray that you'd help us today as we read through this to keep in mind the context, Lord, and to also appreciate, Lord, exactly what it is Paul is attempting to say. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you remember, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, okay? And so right in the middle, in fact, chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 is also about spiritual gifts. And right between these two is this chapter on Love. In fact, the very end of chapter 12 ends this way. The very last verse, the second half of the last verse says, And I will show you a still more excellent way. Now, when you read that and you think about way, think about just how you live. A way to live. right? A path. You can think of it. When you think about the most excellent way to live, i got to be honest, my natural inclination Maybe subconsciously, maybe I say it out loud. I don't think I do. I would probably voice, because I've grown up in church, love, right? The way of love. But when I think about uh, a great way to live, wouldn't you think that one of the best ways to live would be to figure out all the things that you're really good at, all of your talents and abilities, to find those things, hone in on those, find people that have abilities that you don't have and partner with them to, to get things done, I think that's probably what a lot of us would think. That's, that's a great way. I mean, if we could figure out what I'm good at and do that, that'd be a great way to live. This is important because this is exactly what we're talking about, right? We're talking about spiritual gifts, and it's covered a, a variety of things. Not just um, spiritual gifts in the sense of like this God-given moment. Those are de- that's definitely part of it, but we learned last week that spiritual gifts talks about a lot of different things. It can talk about people that God brings into your life. It can talk about natural talents and abilities that you have. It's not limited in its scope of what it's talking about. The Corinthian church was driven and motivated to, 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 to do these exact things, do what we're good at, and then because of the culture they lived in, there was status acquired, honor acquired, by the things that you were really good at. i got to say, that's not that much different than our world, is it? So keep that in mind. That Paul says, I'm going to show you now a more excellent way. And the way is obviously love, right? We know this already. No spoilers here. 
Some of you probably already know this, but just in case some of you don't, in the Greek, there are four different words that are commonly translated as love. Okay, you probably, who's heard this before? Yeah, this is a pretty common thing. A lot of people have heard this. The four words, one of them is phileo, uh, brotherly love, friendship love. We see that played into Philadelphia, right? What's Philadelphia? The city of what? Brotherly love, right? To see the P-H-I-L at the beginning of Philadelphia, right? Phileo, brotherly love. Storge is family love, familial, right? Family love. Um, eros is passionate or romantic love. I think it's interesting that we've got the one word, and we use it so flippantly. I mean, I have actually said before, I love Big Macs. <laughs> I mean, when we use it so carelessly, the Greeks, they, I, I think that they thought a lot more about what this word is all about. And they've, they've got four different words just to talk about this one idea of something that you love. The fourth word is the word agape. You've probably heard this before. Agape as a word wasn't used very often in Greek literature until New Testament times. The New Testament writers kind of captured this word and used it. It's, some people call it an unconditional love. It's a love that is focused on the needs, wants, and desires of others over yourself. And it's a love that's always talked about acted out. I've also heard it put this way before. Love, agape, it places value... It is not motivated by value. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, phileo, brotherly love, friendship love. I love Pastor John because he's my friend. Right? I love my mommy. Where's she at? She's not in here. She's my mom, right? Do you, do you hear that, what I'm saying, though? I love because, right, there's, there's something there, and, and that, that love is motivated. I love my wife. I'm attracted to her. Sorry if that offends anybody. I'm attracted to my wife. Um, that's a good thing, right? Love her. If, if, if she ever says, see, I can say this because she's not here. Um, if she says, do you love me? She wants to know why. Why do you love me? You ever heard gone down that rabbit hole before? That, uh, why do you? Why do you? I love you. Why do you love me? All right? it, but agape is unique because agape is not love because of what you bring to the table. Agape is a love because of what I'm bringing to the table. Agape places value. You see this demonstrated most clearly with the way God loves us. God does not love you because you bring something special to the table and he goes, I need that. God has everything in and of himself. Completely self-sufficient. All glory, all good is found in him. But he loves us. We recognize the, the magnitude of that when we think about love in those senses because we think because you may have even said that, why would God? Because we know ourselves. And you know who knows us even better than we know ourselves? God does. And so we sit there and we go, how is it possible that God loves us? It's because it's this kind of love. Love that does not love based on the value that is there. But love that is, right, placing value. This is important. I love it. It's important because I love it. Love. The Apostle Paul writes this chapter in the middle of these spiritual gifts. And I want to say, I think, and there's some commentaries that say this as well, 
Most of this chapter feels very much, in fact, Greek language was meant to be read. Um, you don't even see punctuation showing up in the Greek language until a couple hundred years after this. Uh, it was meant to be read. Uh, people sitting down and reading, they didn't have a lot of copies of things to do, so it was mostly read to you. I think that what Paul did is he, he dictated this whole book, but right in the middle of this, he made sure, and I think that this is a piece of literature he must have worked on. There's a lot of commentaries that believe he worked, because it just feels different. The way it's written, it's like he paused at the end of chapter 12, which he didn't have the chapters, and like I said last week, waxes eloquent. I can almost picture Paul's passion as he's, he was writing the, these things out and, and wanting them to be delivered. And I thank God that he did that. I think there's three, in the first half of this, I think there's three parts. Okay, so I'm going to break it down. Because it's easy, you've heard this. Let's break it down, there's three parts. The first one, I want to show you that love, I believe, delivers real meaning to life. We'll talk about that. About how love defines, I, I almost put determines instead of defines, it, it creates, it, it works good character. I almost put godly character for living. Love develops and I stole this little phrase from one of my commentaries, beautiful impossibility in your life. So let's break this down. Let's start with the first one there. Verse 1. Okay, now. You're familiar with this. Don't let the familiarity of this skip what he's saying. If, what was her super? I could speak in any language of the world. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? If, if you could do that, not just that Paul says if. I think the important word here is the if. If I could do this, if I could actually speak in the tongues of, of people everywhere, everywhere and, and even speak in angelic languages, if I could do that, that would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? If I could do that but have not love, what am I? Noisy gong, clanging cymbal. That noisy gong, we think, is, is probably not like a gong that you would hit, but it was probably like an ancient megaphone made of bronze. The Corinthians were known for their, they had a secret formula for the bronze that they made. And they would have these, these bronze, almost like a megaphone. It's reverberating. Have you ever heard somebody talking through a speaker when it's not working right and it's reverberating too much? Can you understand a word they're saying? It's like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? And you're what are they? If you could, now think, if you could speak in all of these languages, I mean, think about how eloquent you would be if you knew all the languages and could speak in them. But you don't have love, like Charlie Brown's mom. Clanging symbol. Do I need to hop up and love gives meaning to your words? The pattern here. If I could do this, but I don't have love. If I could communicate to anyone, if I knew all. I think about. I thought about this with school. If I had all the right lingo and slang for my students, the appropriate ones. But without love. Noisy gong, clanging cymbal. You ever wonder why you're not getting through to somebody? 
You ever been talking to somebody and you feel like you're talking to a brick wall? You, you, you recognize, you feel like the clanging cymbal and the noise is gone. Now, not always, but sometimes. This is why. I've noticed this with kids at school. And, and this is one of the things I've taught long enough now I can give advice, right? 19 years, so new teachers. One of the things, one of my most common pieces of advice I tell brand new teachers, I say, they must believe, and they will know if it's fake. Those kids will know if it's fake. They must believe that you love them. If you love them, you'd be amazed. Now, I'm talking in the perspective of teaching math. You think, well, what's the connection? I'm, I'm telling you, just from experience, I've seen this played out. If I could speak, I mean, if I knew all the right math lingo and terms, but I present it to this student without love, now, not all the time. Sometimes there's a stubbornness of heart with the listener. But I will tell you, all of the time that you operate without love, when you speak, you might as well be just clanging a cymbal. It gives meaning to the words that you speak. And like I tell those young teachers, I'll tell you, people can see, man, they, you, you can detect fake love a mile away, can't you? It, when you know somebody cares about you, you know it. And sometimes it takes some time to develop that. But when you know, I don't even know if I could tell you exactly how to get to that point, but man, people know it if you actually do care. And when you do, those words carry so much more significance to them, don't they? I hope that already, I'm going to give you a hint as to where we're going. I hope that already might be thinking, this chapter is not a chapter of things that you say, I need to start doing these things. We're going to get to this list in a minute. Uh, what, what ought to be happening, I think, is that we ought to be going, man, if I'm like a clanging cymbal, maybe my problem, maybe the reason they're not listening to me that I'm starting to realize in this moment is I don't really love them. Maybe that's the problem. Listen to what else love gives meaning to in this life. This one kind of blows me away. If I have prophetic powers and understand all... Now, there's, a, there's an emphasis for these people when they're hearing, I think, for you as well. All mysteries and all knowledge. If you could understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I had all faith, I think they're familiar with the teachings of Jesus, don't you? If I have all faith so I could do what? Move mountains. We talked about this in chapter 12, this, this gift of faith that, that it's not just talking about the faith that you have that saves you, but there, there's, there's people that you know that it's like they've been given this gift of faith. Like they, they're the eternal optimist. Like no matter what, they're like, man, I, confidence. God is going to do this. And sometimes that faith just permeates the group. Man, if you could have that. Now, you would think that those things by themselves would be of infinite value. But what does Paul say? If I had prophetic powers, I could see right through to the truth of a matter. 
I wish I had that sometimes. Like, man, just see right through. This is the real, like sometimes like, hmm, I don't know about that. Man, but if you, if you could be one of those people that just see right through, that's the real thing. Knew the real problem, the real solution. Even see ahead to where this pattern of life might lead you. What if I could understand all mysteries and knowledge, the, the deepest secrets of life? I'd be sitting on a mountain and you'd become visiting me, right? Wise man. What is the meaning of life? I will tell you, I have all mysteries and all knowledge. Paul says, if you did, what about all faith? Moving mountains sort of faith. The one that continues to trust and hope in God no matter what. But this verse, even if you had these things, these attributes, these gifts, but you don't have love, you're nothing, is what he says. Love gives meaning and purpose to the insights that you have. You may not understand all mysteries of knowledge, but I'm telling you right now, you might know stuff, but without love, you have no effect. You are non-existent. It's like you aren't even here without love. Love gives solidity, reality to the insights that you have. And once again, I think that you recognize and know this. Think about how you've experienced this. Think about how, and I believe you can do this from someone that you know that loves you, how much impact and reality that has. It almost gives you a tidbit of your own faith. Like their faith that you can do. So have you ever had somebody do that? And you can do this. And if it's a person that you know loves you, it's almost like they've taken something of their own faith and like they've handed you a little bit of it. Like I didn't have some of my own. Oh, I've got a little bit now. I can do it. You ever heard somebody say, maybe a, I should put the other microphone that John wears on, like the big and be one of those uh, motivational speakers. You can do this. They don't know you. And, and if you've heard somebody say that, it, it's almost intangible. Almost can't put my finger on it. But if, if you've had somebody try to encourage you and you know they could care less about you, it's like nothing happened. Isn't it? I, I, I love these. I mean, there's so much truth packed in this when I started thinking about the reality of it. There's so much truth packed in it. I mean, I know exactly what he's talking about. When somebody's come up and said, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, thanks for the confidence, pal. It's like nothing. It didn't help me at all. But somebody that genuinely cares for you says, you know what, I'm telling you right now, you can do this. You can do this. You can make it. I have so much confidence in the power of our God that you can do what God has called you to do. And it's almost like, it invigorates you. It's real. And that's exactly what Paul says. Without love, nothing. Verse 3. This one again shocks me. Because I would describe these next two things that he says as demonstrations of love. If I gave away all I have, Got to be love, right? If I deliver up my body to be burned, sacrificed, 
but have not love, there's no profit for you, is what Paul says here. Who gives up everything for someone they don't love? Who, who sacrifices themselves without love? This verse tells me that's possible. Let me ask you this. Have you ever met someone who's the perpetual martyr? The martyr mentality? I mean, they're doing all kinds of service and sacrificing their time, helping out. But man, man when, you, when you start to recognize it's not out of love, changes everything, doesn't it? In fact, it, it, it really even defeats the person themselves. I mean, they're just miserable. Well, I'm giving up my time to make the dinner tonight. I'm giving up my time to set up this stuff here. I'm giving up my time. Well, where is everybody else at? What are they doing? But no, me, I always, I will give up every time. But love, love gives meaning and purpose to your sacrifice. If you're doing it, and maybe buried in there is just the desire to get noticed, to get recognized, for people to say, you're so sacrificial, they always give up. There's no lasting profit in that. But genuine sacrifice out of love, something completely different. Let's take a look at this next portion. We talked first, love delivers meaning to life. I hope you can see that. But let's look at this next part where love defines, like I said, I thought about determines, had trouble deciding good or godly, have a reason for why I chose good over godly, uh, good character for living, you go with godly. Listen to this next verse. <clears throat> you probably quote it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. I heard it phrased differently. Let's take a look at each one of those individually real quick. Love is patient. Literally a word that means long-suffering. Like, a, like, a, like if you've got a fire going and there's some wood and kindling you grow in, it's like, and it's done. But there's some really good logs that have been seasoned just the right way and you put them in, they just last. That's what that word is talking about. Long-suffering. Love is, it lengthens your patience towards others. Now, I'm going to give you a hint. As I go through each of these, it's easy to look at these and go, man, I need to be more patient. I need to be more kind. I'm kind of, and start thinking about all these things you might need to work on. I'm telling you right now, that's not how this is set up. Love does these things. So what you ought to do is you go, I'm not a very patient person. You ought to have a realization today, a light bulb ought to come over your head and go, my problem is I'm not loving. That's the problem. If you're not patient, it's not because you're just not a patient person. It's because in those moments, you're not, lo you're not a loving person. Because love is patient. It's not a question. If you have love, patience comes along. Love is patient. Love is kind. Just there's no other real good word to replace kindness. Kindness just says it, doesn't it? I'm trying to think of another word to say kind. But kind, kind, kind. Have you ever met someone that's just kind? 
nice, gracious, kind. And I'm not a very kind person. You know why? You're not very loving. Love lavishes kindness. It shows kindness toward others. Pure and unselfish concern for the well-being of others. This word, love does not envy. The Greek word is the word zealous. It's used in a variety of ways. With the context, we know it's talking about just exactly jealousy. Some versions say envy. Love I put down here because zealous is about this energy for, in this case, in this context, for yourself. Jealousy. Love decreases that energy to defend yourself, to watch out for yourself, to, to what about me? I think that's what captures that jealousy, the, what about me? What about me? What about me? No matter how you say it, that's what it is. Love decreases that energy. No boasting, vaunting, lifting yourself up, specifically with words, bragging. Love detours away selfish speech. Next one. It's not arrogant. I like how he said two positives. It's patient and kind, but then he went to a whole list of it's not these things. It's not arrogant. This word literally means swelled up. Arrogant. Me. You ever met the, you ever met the me monsters that live in your world? Me. Me. Uh, it's all about me. Love. Deplete. Some people love being rude. <laughs> love is not rude. Love develops. See, because you go, but that's just not in my character to be this, these things. You're probably right. But it doesn't come from you. According to what Paul's teaching here, this comes from love. Some of you know this really well. I can remember when my children were first born. Not anymore, but uh, when they were first born. I'm just kidding, Joe. Um, when they were first born, I mean, babies are the most selfish creatures on the planet, aren't they? They're like the epitome of the me monster, right? I mean, like, me, I'm hungry. You know, me, I pooped myself, right? I mean, whatever it is, me, it's all about me. I can remember when Samuel was born, being living in Wisconsin, having a full-time job that I worked at nights, and also going to school full-time. I was tired. And when, when that baby cried, something happens. Right? If there was any other person on the planet that was crying for me in the middle of the night, I'd be like, shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. But what happens? The baby cries, you go. You, know, you might have a little bit of that. Like, oh, man. You, just, you have this patience. You're like, come on. I mean, that would be horrible. <laughs> Pick the baby up. Where'd that patience come from? I didn't have that a minute ago. Didn't have that with my coworkers a little while ago when I was working. Where'd that come from? 
So you know it, don't you? What is it? Love. The patience. The kind, see, the love brings those things. They're not of you. And so one of the things you have to keep in mind as you're going through these things, and if you're going, man, I've, I've been working on patience for years. I can't figure out. I, I just still am struggling with patience. This is, this is why. You're lacking in love. In your heart, self reigns supreme, and others rank down here. Love flips that upside down. It begins to destroy self-interest for others. I lost my clicker. Look at this next verse. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. See, you, you're reading those things, you think, especially that second one. Don't you just think of that second one as just like, that's just, that's just me. Love isn't that. Love destroys you in place of these other character traits. Love detours selfish decisions. Love destroys selfish buttons. I put that down because that's what that means. Irritable, not easily provoked, some versions say. Some of you have big buttons that are easily pushed. They're just pushing my buttons. Well, you got some big buttons. It love gets rid of those. And things that used to push your buttons don't seem to bother you. Why? Love. Love. Love deletes a selfish focus. Resentful. <clears throat> I put down deletes because as some versions say, keeps no record of wrongs. That's literally what it's, it's saying here. Some of you have a tally. They've wronged me this way. 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 And they've wronged me this way. And in fact, when some people wrong you, you could almost, if you could see inside your brain, there's a little miniature you inside there going, mm-hmm. Right? Love. Delete, delete, backspace, backspace. Right? Delete, delete, delete. The ability to treat someone as if they haven't done those things to you without this. See, that's tough, isn't it? They've wronged you big time. That whatever that item was on the list, it was written in all caps. Love isn't bringing that up. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love determines a righteous joy. I've often, not out of love, had that one that you've seen, they, they, they fail. And there's a little bit of you goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Think you're so mighty. Good to see you come down a few notches. Love, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. 
in any sense, but rejoices in truth. Finally, love develops, once again, I stole this, I love the words, beautiful impossibility. Because this next part that Paul ventures into, you just go, who can do that? Love bears all things, believes all things. It's heightened by Paul's addition of the word all each time, isn't it? Love bears all things. And that's in, that's in there. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. I found a version of this, um, and I couldn't, in one of my commentaries, I couldn't figure out what the version was called. But the, this verse was translated this way. Love never tires of support for this first part. The, the, the bears all things is actually a word, it, it comes from a word that means to cover. And so it, it's, it's bears, not in the sense of like a pole bearing up the weight of a tent, but it's bears in the sense of I'm going to take, take it for you. So like a roof on a house takes the punishment of the hail to protect the house. That's what that word's talking about. Love, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, bears, all things. And no matter what is thrown at them, where does that come from? Because I'm telling you, I don't have that in me. Do you have that in you to just bear up ever under anything? I don't have it. Love, love does. Love never loses faith. I love being around people that are like this. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and put this next one here because there's such an overlapping hopes all things, believes all things. Just, you have that person, no matter, no matter what you've done, a lot of moms are like this, aren't they? Not all moms, a lot of moms are. Doesn't matter what you've done, they go, you can do this. You can do this. I'm, and, 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 and as a Christian, the reality of an infinitely powerful God weaves into it and they go, by the power of God, I know you can do this. I'm never giving up hope. Ever. Love never exhausts. It never gets to the end of it. You never get to the bottom of the hope cup with the straw and goes... Love keeps it full. Love never gives up. I hope that what you heard from this is not, again, been hinting at this as we went, is not, man, I need to be more patient, I need to be more kind, I need to be more hopeful and think, I need, to work on, I need to work on those things. I hope that instead you're sitting here going, I'm lacking in the love department. It left me asking the question then, where does this come from? Because you might be going, well, I need some more of this love. Where does it come from? Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to venture off the podium to some personal thoughts. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that people that have nothing to do with Christ still know what these things are about. There are people who still 
unselfishly do things for others. Is that not true? There's a lot of reasons for that. They may be motivated for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different ways. But as a Christian, there's something else that factors into it. But there's a reality that we know. And I want to say that I think, I believe that this love from Scripture, what we can gather, this love is built, let me put it this way, it's inspired. See, a lot of people get inspired by love by seeing acts of selflessness and it inspires them. But as a Christian, we hone in on to the ultimate act of selflessness. Christ himself coming to this earth, living this life, going to the cross, dying on that cross for our sins. And as a Christian, we look to that as our inspiration. 1 John 4.19 some versions say we love him because he first loved us, but I'm telling you, this is, this is a more accurate statement of what that verse says. We love because he loved us. I mean, people can love without recognizing that, but I'm telling you, as a Christian, how do we take it to the extremes that Paul was talking about? The only way you can do that, the only, I mean, there, the, every inspiring story that inspires you to selflessness comes up short because all people come up short. But Christ doesn't. And if you say, man, I want to have more of this kind of love because I, I'm recognizing these character traits and I want to delve into this. And, I, and plus, I don't want to have a meaningless, pointless life. I mean, I, I wish I could have all those things at the beginning, but, but Paul said, if you, if you have those but you don't have love, you're nothing. I don't want that. I don't want to Go through life and, I mean, who cares if you are able to do all those things but you don't have love, Paul? You're nothing. I don't want that to happen. The only way is to keep your eyes fixed on the, the ultimate example through all of history of that act of love. Christ Jesus himself. It inspires us. It, it energizes us. As Christians, we know that it even goes beyond just up here in the head. There, there's a spirit that God gives us, the spirit of Christ, it's sometimes called, in us, to walk as Jesus did. He said, man, I want love. Focus your eyes. You can't, you can't make yourself be more loving, can you? Can you do that? I've got to be more loving. <clears throat> you can't do it, can you? I think that you recognize if you keep your eyes on Christ, I mean, just even now as you start to think about Him, think about Him for a minute. You can be a lot more patient with somebody, can't you? When you think about the patience God has for you. You, you can be a lot more kind to people when, when you, you start thinking about how kind God has been to you. You can endure a lot of things when you think how long God has endured for you. And even thinking about what he's endured while he was on this earth, endured to the end. And if he can make it to the end, I want to do some measure of that for others if he can do that for me.